yourself to be blown away by the seismic sounds and scrutiny of... After Shots Podcast with Chris Aiken and Matt Hartnett. Well, here we go, and welcome to another episode of Aftershocks on Aftershockspodcast.com. And joining us today on the podcast, we've got the vocalists from Canadian Melodic Power Metal Quartet, Unleashed the Archers, who are set to release their fifth LP, Abyss, which is set for an August 21st release on Napalm Records. I'd like to welcome to the podcast vocalist Brittany Slays. Thanks for joining us today, Brittany. How you doing? Good. Thanks. How about right. you guys? Ah, not bad, not bad. Thanks for asking. Uh, just real quick before we talk about the new record, uh, you know, I'm sure it has to be very frustrating right now not being able to go out and tour, you know, for the record uh, at this point. And there's obviously a good chance it might be quite some time till we see live music again. How difficult is it to release, you know, a new record while not being able to go out, promote and celebrate the way you normally would, especially considering that you guys really tour pretty frequently? <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. definitely going to be interesting. Um, I mean, we're we're thinking that it's going to kind of be one of two ways. It's going to be that uh, the record's going to sell really well because no one can go anywhere or do anything. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're going to be stoked to get new music. And, um, you know, it, we're just going to have to do what we can to, to, to try and stream and, and get in front of people as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Or no one's going to be able to afford to buy anything and yeah. it could be totally horrible. <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean, of course we're going to hope for the first option, but sure. uh, yeah, you never know. I mean, we're, I'm really interested to see how it goes. Um, we're going to, I mean, we're going to do our best to stay in front of everybody, but uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. Sure. Yeah. No, I can imagine. Well, let's talk about the new album, Abyss. It's the, uh, the band's fifth release now. Uh, it's a great record. Uh, and interesting enough, this is indeed a concept record. And from what I've uh, read, just in short, it's it, it sort of sounds like it's a concept that deals with sort of the battle of good and evil within oneself. Could you go ahead and just like, I guess, you know, tell the listeners a little bit more about the concept that you did come up with for the album? Sure. Um, so it follows our main character who we call the immortal. He's basically our hero. Mm -hmm. And uh, in it's a sequel to Apex, which is the record that we put out in 2017. Mm -hmm. So in Apex, uh, we were introduced to, to the immortal and to our antagonist, the matriarch. And mm -hmm. basically what it is, is the immortal is cursed to serve whoever awakens him from his thousand year slumbers. And he is awakened by the matriarch in Apex, and she tasks him with finding her four sons and bringing them to her so she can kill them in a ritual to achieve immortality. Mm. Uh, at the end of Apex, she had promised that she'd set him free once he did this, but of course she lied and betrayed him and sent him back to his mountain to sleep until she had need of him again. In Abyss, he awakens by himself on a starship out in space. The matriarch is nowhere to be seen, and uh, it turns out his new master is the grandson of the matriarch and the son of one of the men that oh. he had been forced to kill in the okay. previous album. So, um, yeah, it's really about the immortal, his struggle with himself, with the evil deeds that he has done in the past, though not of his own volition. He kind of let them happen. Basically, he never fought against it. He always just said to himself, this is my fate. This is what okay. I'm meant to do. I'm just going to go ahead and do it and try not to feel too bad about it. 
But uh, in Abyss, he really starts to come to terms with what he's done on a personal level and say, you know, maybe I did have a choice this whole time. I can't believe, you know, that I never fought back before. And the grandson of the matriarch really inspires with him, within him the strength to finally stand up and say, I have control over my own life and I'm going to, I'm going to kick some ass. Right. <laughs> Brittany with, with a story that's that in depth, mm -hmm. it's almost like it's, it, it seems conceptualized more for a book than for, for music. I mean, I can see translating it to music, but is, is this from, is this from, you know, something that you've written previously or, or where, where does this story exactly come from? No, it was definitely uh, just written for the album. Um, we, we knew that we wanted to do a concept record when we set out to write Apex and Abyss. And uh, yeah, I kind of just started with the, these two contrasting characters. I knew that I wanted the matriarch, you know, I wanted the villain to be a female sorceress, power hungry and, you know, evil as as evil as one can be and i knew that i wanted the main character the um the hero or the protagonist to be uh, a male that was kind of like a tragic hero type character sure. so just kind of came from how i figured the two of them would would react to one another and sure. how to um make it so that these two super powerful beings didn't just kind of cancel each other out you know they both have mm -hmm. weaknesses and um faults and that kind of thing so it really just came from there yeah i don't honestly know <laughs> <laughs> i i know this you're way more creative than i am that's for sure <laughs> i think i just have a, a one of those overactive imaginations that everyone's always talking about yeah, no kidding <laughs> great yeah. uh, you know aside from the concept um Brittany, though the one thing that you know anybody that has listened to to abyss or apex or you know any of your music will understand really quickly is the crazy range that you have vocally i mean it's it's really you you literally have one of those voices that i think could fit into more than just metal you could certainly do opera and you could certainly do you know various different styles of music what what was it that led you to doing metal and have you ever been tempted to try other styles or have you tried other styles? Yeah. Um, I actually was classically trained for, you know, that was where I started okay. in class classical music. And I sang mostly classical all throughout my youth and in, um, you know, I did a lot of musical theater as well. So that's yeah. kind of where I learned how to do that belting chest voice. And, uh, it wasn't honestly, I mean, I'd always loved heavy metal, but it wasn't a thing to like front a metal band until I discovered Iron Maiden. And okay. I didn't really awesome. realize that that kind of metal even existed because I was constantly listening, you know, like new metal and mm -hmm. Tool and Clutch and Pantera and White Zombie. And there's right. a lot of a lot of different metal bands that I was listening to at the time but I didn't I had never heard of Iron Maiden before and when I listened to their music for the first time I was just like oh I could do this <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I was like oh shit yeah I mean I should I, I really want to to give this a try and and so um I started going out to, to metal shows and seeing a lot of local live bands and went and saw like Judas Priest in concert and stuff like that and was just kind of like yeah I need to 
I need to be in a metal band. And it took me a couple of years to figure, you know, to find my metal voice as it were, I guess you could say, because I'd been seeing classical music my whole life. Sure. So, and I really didn't want to be like, um, a symphonic metal band. I didn't want to use my classical voice. I wanted to sound like Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a struggle for a little while there, but I think I figured it out eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and after now five albums, you know, as a band, uh, you guys have been playing around the globe for, you know, quite a while. There's no doubt that the band Unleashed Your Archers has earned the respect, you know, not, not only of the fans, but within the press as well. Um, and as a female singer within that power and, and symphonic metal circles, there's definitely more front women in those circles and scenes than any other subgenre in metal, I believe. Um, yet I still find that many fans and critics are constantly comparing, you know, vocalists like yourselves and other female vocalists to some of the more well-known front women in the genres. You know, I'll just use a couple like a Floor Jansen or Simone from Epica. I mean, even though your lyrics, voice and your styles are completely, you know, extremely different, it's, you know, they kind of always compare. I mean, do you get that often? Because, you know, I mean, do you think fans in the press, you know, comparing you to these more well-known vocalists, do you take that as a compliment or is that? just sort of like a lazy, shallow comparison, you know, considering all the differences that you do have with those other uh, vocalists. Yeah, I mean, I don't really pay too much attention to it. Um, okay. I, I, anyone that compares me to Flora Jansen is is okay in my books because she's incredible. Mm, sure. <laughs> she can do mm. everything. Sure. She's just incredibly versatile. So, um, I, yeah, I, I mean, that's cool. But I, I, don't, I just don't really pay any attention because – since the beginning of women in metal, it's it feels like it's kind of been this there can be only one mentality. And it's like mm -hmm. there's one death metal vocalist, there's one, and they are the top of the top, and and you know what I mean. And there's oh, there's just constantly these surveys and polls, and like who's the best, and like you don't see that stuff with male vocalists. You mm -hmm. don't say like, oh, it's either you know it's Rob or or Bruce, which one? You know can mm -hmm. you know right. you never see that. So I don't understand why they do it with women so much. And yeah. uh, it's and it's it's like that really just kind of in the rest of the world. You know, there can mm -hmm. be only one superstar female athlete. There can be only one, you know, female CEO. It's like and it's that's not the case. So right. Like I just. Yeah. I don't, I don't really. I try not to pay too much attention to it. Well, that's, a, that's probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> real, real quick on that same topic, though. Does it does it frustrate you? Not not necessarily for yourself personally, but for your band that the band is constantly lumped into the symphonic metal thing because, I guess, because you're you know you're a female singer because you guys are not symphonic metal at all. Not at least not to my no. to my ears. But even researching for the interview. I kept seeing symphonic metal band unleash the archers. I was like, who's listening to this shit? To, that's not, that's not getting that you guys are not, you know, within temptation. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, I mean, I, again, I don't really pay too much attention to that. We like, people are constantly asking us to what, what genre are we? And most of the time I just say heavy metal because, right. you know, all metal is good metal to me. And mm -hmm. um, so it, I think it's just, yeah, maybe like people, that just see a female or hear that I can do like the high stuff and they just automatically go there with that description. Um, or it's just kind of people that don't want to take the time to listen to us and they just see a chick in the band and they're like, Oh, I know exactly what this is going to sound like. Right. And, and that, like, that's cool too. Like if you want to just 
judge a band by its cover <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's fine. You're the one that's missing out, right? And you're going to miss I'm out on right. a lot of killer bands, not just mm-hmm. female fronted bands. You know, you're going to be like, oh, that looks like a stupid metalcore band or whatever. Or like, mm-hmm. look at those stupid masks. I'm not going to listen to them. Or, you know, you know what I mean? Like, you just, people kind of stereotype all the time. So it's really it's they're just doing themselves a disservice when they do that and one of my yeah. favorite favorite things out there is when someone does finally listen and they're like whoa where what i'm so mm-hmm. sorry i haven't listened to you sooner like i had no idea right. you guys sounded like this and yeah. i was like well that's on you buddy <laughs> exactly <laughs> well no and you just brought up a good you know the term they're female fronted you know uh that label i mean the one good thing about you know at least the the power and symphonic metal genres is because there are so many front women you don't really hear those bands really uh categorize as quote-unquote female fronted and i've always said that whole term and label it's ridiculous because what you're really implying is that the genre and the scripture the music and the sound is based you know it's not based on the music it's based on a, a tone pitch sound or just the sex of the individual you know mm-hmm. so there's really no basis on the music itself which i feel like not only silly, but very ignorant. And so obviously I'm sure you agree with the same thing with the whole female front to label. That's kind of, it's kind of silly. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like you can say like, if someone's wondering, you know, asking about a band or whatever, they're like, ah, oh, yeah. You know, it's like female front to death metal or something. It's like, sure. It's cool. That's a chick in the band, but it's, yeah, it's totally still death metal. Yeah. yeah it's still, exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's death metal. And like, it's, what does it yeah. matter? What the sex of the individual is. You don't say it's like, Oh yeah, no, it's black metal, but their bass player is female. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, yeah, totally, exactly. You yeah. wouldn't say that. <laughs> so, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's silly. Completely unnecessary. Sure. It's, just a, it's just another way to to group people. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about metal, but we just love our subgenres. And we, we do. Just, we just like to yeah. subify everything and put them into all these little groups and stuff. And yep, right. Like, yeah. No, I hear you. Well, um. Yeah. Brittany, let, let's let's talk about a little bit about Abyss itself. The the one thing that really stands out to me listening through it, and and I went back and I listened to Apex a few times as well, and I ran them kind of together, trying to put the whole concept together. Mm-hmm. Abyss is so much stronger in pretty much, at least to my ears, in every facet, vocally, production-wise, instrumentation-wise, it just feels like you guys really, really, really grew or worked harder. I don't know why, but it just feels so much more complete than than Apex did. A, do you hear that? And B, if you do hear that, what, what do you think is the reasoning for that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Apex was kind of, it wasn't like rushed, but when we got signed to Napalm, we had time stand still already ready to go. And we had, we, we were like on the cusp of releasing it um, independently when Napalm was like, no, 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 wait, 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 you know, let's, let's, let's talk. And so we held on to time stand still for a year before we could release it. So by the time that record was out, we were like done with it. <laughs> right. And we were just like, Okay, now we finally get to play these songs live for everybody. We've been jamming them in our jam spot for freaking 18 months here. And um, and so we started writing Apex like right away. So Apex was very much a part of kind of that part of who we were as musicians. Okay. And uh, it was just like a more polished version of Time Stand Still. And um and I think that uh I mean it's not like it's a bad record or anything. No. But we we just we just definitely 
It was the first time that the four of us, Grant, Andrew, Scott, and myself, were like writing a whole record, just us, uh, because Time Sense still had some tracks from our old guitar player on it and that kind of thing. So it was like really exciting, um, but it was also kind of like we had this deadline um, with Napalm that we were trying to meet and you know, we didn't, uh, we didn't really take a breather. We just were like, it was constant. And, you know, when we finished the touring run of Apex, we were all just like, oh my God, like it's been like three years straight. Like we need to take a second here. Mm -hmm. So for Abyss, we fully just like took all of 2019. Well, the first half of 2019 off from music. We played one show, we played 70,000 tons of metal in January. And then after that, we like did not see each other again. We were just like, Let's back away from this and try and separate ourselves from what we had done in the past. Right. And so then in the summer, we sat down and we were like, okay, let's do this. And we really focused on it. And that was all we did. We didn't play any shows or anything. With Apex, we were like playing shows and doing this, that, and the other, and like writing in between it. And you know what I mean? It was just really kind of very scattered. Whereas this was our sole focus. And right. we everything was calculated. I had the story all written out in like a track by track guideline. And it was very much the foundation of everything that we did. Every riff we chose, where it went in the record, we made wow. sure that every song sounded right with, you know, with the one before and the one that came after. And it was, it was all, you know, we took, we really took our time on this one. And, um, and I think it's, it's obvious because it's definitely different from the last records that we've done. Sure. Um, we tried a lot of new things. We mm -hmm. did new things and we all were super invested in it emotionally. So I think that really comes through as well. Sure. Does, does, does this record spell the end of this story or will you continue kind of writing new chapters to the story and become more of a conceptualized band, you know, as you continue? Um, I, I, I have ideas for the next album and they are not this story. So, okay. um, but I, I kind of like left it open-ended specifically right. for that reason. So it's the end of this particular saga, I guess you could say the matriarch versus the immortal. Um, but there's, I mean, there's a few, I could do a prequel or I could do what happens to the immortal afterwards, where he goes from here. You know, I'm sure he, he's going to come up against some other evil entity that requires eradication. Um, yeah, the, I mean, there's people that were asking because there's like a 50 year gap in, you know, the, the story of between what happens on Apex and Abyss. So that we, I've had fans that are like, are you going to tell us what happened during that? And so that's an idea. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of possibility. But uh, for me personally, I'm uh, not going to write the next record about this. No. Do you do you find it uh, tougher, uh, Brittany, each time you write a new record to come up with a new concept or ideas? Being because you know that you, your lyrics are very deep and profound, is it tougher each time you do go into writing a new record? I mean, yeah, I'm not, I, like the last five years of of us has been about this story, really, mm -hmm. um, because we started writing. I wrote the whole story back in 2016 when we were writing Apex. And then we just did like the first half of it, the apex half. Um, but the story's always been there. So um, 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of don't remember what it was like to not write this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> Demons of the Astro Waste was a concept record, but it was a very different. It was done very differently. It was like okay. the riff inspired the story every time, basically. So mm. Brayden would come up with a riff, and he'd be like, "Oh yeah, this one's cool," and I'd be like, "Yeah, that sounds like you know, like a battle is happening. This next song, he's gonna go to battle, you know." And like it was mm. just kind of very off the cuff. And then Time Stand Still, each song was kind of, it was all a part of a bigger whole of what it was like, what it's like being an independent band in Canada is what it was really written about. Okay. But each song was kind of its own little aspect. Um, but I really, really enjoyed writing Apex and Abyss this way. Okay. So honestly, it wasn't, I didn't find it really difficult lyrically because I had it so formed in my head already. So mm -hmm. it, was, it was basically just like, okay, I have the song. Now I just need to, puke out all these things that i've been thinking <laughs> of for so long so uh, um it was just basically like okay how do i say this as articulately and eloquently as possible mm, so well i mean these are you know these are unique times right now Brittany. obviously you know where bands have to get real creative you know in order to connect to their fan base and promote their music obviously and you know you guys right now with your brand new release coming out it's a great example of that. And I saw you guys, you guys have this thing I saw on your social media called a virtual pub. And that's the first time I've seen uh, anyone doing that. So just tell us a little bit what that's about. And, you know, other than that, um, and other than obviously doing these podcasts with, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, different uh, platforms, what are the ways and means can a band use right now in order to promote their music and connect with the fans at this time? Well, the, the, the virtual pub was actually a friend of ours that did that. He, okay. he had a bunch of singers and musicians from other bands come together for like a night of drinking. And okay. um, and I was just one of the guests, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's this one band called, I think it's Kraken or... I can't remember exactly. And he's a folk metal uh, musician and he okay. does it like once a month with all these folk mu metal musicians from all over the place and it was actually where he got the idea from so yeah. and it was basically just yeah like a local most of them were like North pacific northwestern canadian artists getting together to hang out and and have a couple beers and and take mm -hmm. questions from fans so it was a really cool thing and uh, we we want to do more of that but we, we were hoping to do it on our twitch channel because mm. we started when we got back from the tour that never was um right yeah. <laughs> we uh we just started a twitch channel because it was like okay well we can't tour we're not gonna be able to tour for a while so how are we gonna stay close to our fans and that was kind of what we came up with and i think that twitch is just like exploding for musicians right now like big mm -hmm. time because yeah. of that and um <clears throat> yeah these streaming shows are becoming really popular i know suicide silence is doing like geo-targeted streaming shows so only people from like this state can can buy a oh, ticket wow. to these wow. particular streams and that kind okay. of thing and yeah and that's kind of a really cool idea that so is, they yeah. do the stream and they're like what's up chicago or you know that's and great that's, yeah. that's cool yeah yeah only people from chicago are be are able to watch it so yeah i think that's kind of cool um yeah. But they also, I'm, I'm sure, are, you know, don't have day jobs and <laughs> are they're make, only making money from music right now. So mm. um, we don't really have the time to do that kind of thing. But sure. we are going to try our best to stay connected. Yeah. Right. Mm, Definitely. Yeah. Now, now, Brittany, real real quick, um, you mentioned before that, that you had written previously about, you know, being a local band in Canada back back in the day when you were. Yeah. Canada is just not known as a hotbed for power metal bands. 
you know, I mean, it's really not. And how how is it that you guys were able to not only grow artistically, but also grow enough to where you would get label interest and get a you know a, a label deal in a in an area that's not you know it's not full of power metal bands where you would even have you know audience and like bands that you could play with to build your craft yeah i mean it was uh you know we were just kind of like an amalgamation of artists that slowly found each other over time i think um, power metal, yeah, is not big in Canada. And I mean, there are a lot of power metal fans, but there's just not a lot of bands that do it. Sure. So we were very much kind of on our own at the beginning there. But we were also very death metal influenced at the beginning there as well. Like Brayden was just as equally a vocalist as I was in, right. the, in, in the early days. And um, <clears throat> so, but the thing is, is that um, when Brayden left, we or well, when Mike left, we got Grant and he's a big power metal fan. And then when Braden left, we got Andrew and he's a super big power metal fan. So it was kind of like slowly we grew from this band that was a, an amalgamation of everything to all the members being like super in love with power metal and progressive metal and traditional heavy metal and that kind of thing. So all of a sudden, all of us were like on the exact same path sound wise. Okay. So I think that was really a big part of it. Um, sure. once we all kind of were heading in the same direction. Sure. Uh, and but yeah. So, so at this point, you know, now you're obviously, you know, you signed with Napalm and you're, you know, you're 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 getting out there even, even obviously right now nobody's getting out anywhere, but the 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 band is is out there. Does does the focus now change from from being Canadian to trying to be more European, maybe not based but focused? No. I don't think so. Okay. I mean, does, uh, it's hard to get noticed when you're over here, for sure. Uh, but we've always been kind of influenced by European sounds. But I just feel like in this day and age where everyone has access to everything and it's all digital and, you know, it's not like distribution is just only in Europe for certain things. It's, sure. it's, it's all sure. over the world now. I just don't mm. think that really those kind of, you know, those types of diversifications of metal exist it's not like this is european metal i just don't think it's like that anymore mm -hmm. um it's like <clears throat> i get you know it, i've been told that there aren't that many power metal bands from north america because it's you know it's just not that popular here but it's also kind of just like yeah we get noticed faster over in europe for that kind of genre sure but i don't think that makes it that you know like it's like it's not european metal because of that it's just that i think in general every kind of metal is a little bit more embraced over there than it is here mm -hmm. and uh we, 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 try, we tried to book shows in florida like can't remember when it was not on our last tour but the one before and they were like ah power metal doesn't do well here <laughs> and we're just like what like you can't do that to people i was like i know we have mm -hmm. fans in florida like don't decide for everyone else what's cool right. in your country yeah. you sure. know so mm -hmm. just kind of open yeah. to all things now really it's really frustrating as you know a north american metal fan to watch like this weekend uh, vakin's doing the the vakin live stream broadcast all weekend and you know you just see a hundred thousand people loving this kind of music for days on end and it's frustrating that there's not a single promoter in the north american 
hemisphere <laughs> that that mm -hmm. can watch that and say, man, there's a lot of money that we're leaving on the table by not doing something similar year after year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, there is Prague Power down in Atlanta when we played mm -hmm. that one as well. And it's a smaller festival for sure, but it was awesome. It was like a mm -hmm. killer scene, rad people. It was just, it was really, you know, an honor to be a part of the whole thing. Sure. But that's, that's kind of really it. When yeah. You know about it. Yeah. Somewhere. And, um, and, it, but even that one, it's amazing. That one hasn't grown bigger because I, yeah, you know, I've been to Prague power too. And it, and it's sold to the gills every single time. Yeah, it yeah. really is. And I mean, I, I think it's also kind of a, based on what the promoters want to do and what they got time for that kind of yeah, thing. True, um, yeah. How much they can afford. Cause it fucking is, is huge. Right. And it's, right. It, it's, it's a big investment. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. but yeah, I, I mean, I had a question the other day that someone was like, um, Europeans just like that, you know, kind of metal more or something like that. And it's like, yeah, but when you look at the crowd at Vakken, half of them are from North America. A lot of people travel to mm -hmm. that place to see it because it's not available here. It's mm -hmm. not that they don't like it. It's just that it's not here. So yeah, it's kind of, a, again, that same thing where, you know, the promoters or people that are putting on these festivals are deciding what they think people like. And instead of, you know, just kind of giving it a shot or letting, allowing other genres on the bill, that kind of thing. So, right. Definitely. Well, one thing people of all genre preferences should give a shot is the new one from Unleash the Archers. It's called Abyss. It is fantastic. You should definitely check that out. And, and I'll tell you what, Brittany, why don't you uh, pick a song that we could share with the fans to wrap this one up? Uh, it, d any song off the record? Is this going to come up when, after? Okay. Yeah. Um, um, probably Legacy is one of my favorites. All right. Great. Well, let's check it out right now. This is Legacy. It is Unleash the Archers, and this is Aftershocks. listening to aftershocks for more episodes go to our website at www.aftershockspodcast.com 
Visit us on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for more news and information on the podcast. And be sure to subscribe, listen to, and review all episodes on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other podcast platforms. For your music listening pleasure, visit our website or go to www.shockwavesradio.com. For all comments and questions, please email us at info at aftershockspodcast.com. 